Welcome to the Young Money Diet uh, special episode where we have our very first guest, Emily Potter. It's a much better version of Raj we are used to seeing. Typically, we dropped his dead weight and we upgraded massively to someone who's 10 times more dynamic, super interesting. So we want to bring everything Emily Potter over to our listeners. So Emily, since I cannot possibly do you any justice, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, I will try to do myself justice without sounding too, you know, full of myself. But yes, my name is Emily Potter. I am currently 25 years old, a professional basketball player currently overseas in the Czech Republic. But mm-hmm. I've, you know, played a ton of other places, done a bunch of other things. I was born and raised in Winnipeg, Manitoba, grew up there. Um, and then I went to, to school in the United States, played in college at the University of Utah for five years. Um, had a training camp stint with the Seattle Storm, the WNBA, played with the national team throughout, you know, my high school and college and professional days as well. And yeah, I'm, I'm living the life, um, cool. you know, overseas, just trying to find my way and also dabble in other things outside of basketball, such as mental health and, you know, promoting youth sports and things like that. Fantastic. My exposure to you, very luckily, just to go back, is you you came to our high school, you had in a Harry Ainley Triprof tournament, you got that awesome, I remember everyone that was on that team, Jesse, uh, Laura, yourself, you were just super cool. It was, it was fantastic that we got to know you back in the days, and then we kind of reconnect, we're reconnecting almost after a decade now, so... It'll, it'll be really uh, awesome. Hey, hey, don't say a decade. That's, whew. That's too much. Okay, I, I might have accidentally aged <laughs> both of us. But yeah, anyways, um, let's start off with some rapid fire questions. I think that'll be really cool. Get to know you a little bit better. So I know, um, at least from my end, Winnipeg, Manitoba's number one claim to fame is the fact that Winnie the Pooh is named after Winnipeg, Manitoba. So if you had to go in and uh, make an elevator pitch for why Winnipeg is the it girl city of Canada, what's your elevator pitch? Easy. Winnipeg is the best city. We're right in the center of the country. We got the best summers in the country. And we got the Christmas vibes all winter long. We're the slurpy capital of the world. We got some great lakes that you can hang out in. The best food, by far. The best food. Underrated food team. I will give you that. Yeah. Food team, top notch. And I'm from there, so yeah. That's that's it. That's what sealed the deal for me. So basically... (laughs) too many positives we gotta balance it out so if you if you were the mayor of winnipeg manitoba what's one thing you would like to change something i would like to change uh definitely you know a better transit system would be awesome okay hmm. cool yeah All right yeah um what is a meal that you make often for yourself that's a good question um I cook a lot. I would say like any kind of pasta is usually like. So you my, default my to like pasta. Okay. All right. And then yeah, is like it like pasta? pasta or mac and cheese? Any, any pasta. I'm all about it. Do you have like a pregame like ritual or a pregame meal that you like to keep consistent before all your games? Um, I think now more so it doesn't really matter specifically what it is. It's all about like the timing and my pregame nap. Mm-hmm. But usually, you know, some chicken, rice, and a vegetable. Usually keep it pretty bland before a game because you want to have something that you're familiar with before you run around. 
Fantastic. Okay. So I, I listened to your other podcast, which was uh, an ep- episode of Heroes in the Mist. It was fantastic for all our listeners. You guys should go check it out. It was an excellent episode. But what I learned from, um, from that episode, one thing that I picked up is you're a huge Taylor Swift fan. So since oh, we affectionately call her <laughs> T-Swizzle, what is one of her songs when it comes on in, in the shuffle you never, ever skip? Man, I pretty much would not skip any of <laughs> them, but <laughs> wow. I think I know the words to all of her songs, but her latest album, Folklore, is, you don't need to skip any of those songs, they're great. Okay. See, I, I do listen to like Devil In and Out of like 1989, Red, yeah. I haven't really listened to her new stuff, so I gotta, I gotta give that a fair shot. I think um, you would like it better than the old stuff. I, I, I honestly hate anytime, you know, like those, those listeners that come on, they're always like, yeah, I used to like your old stuff better. Like people grow over time, like just grow with the music. Like they're going to do the new things. They have to be challenging themselves as an artist, right? So it's only okay. fair. Um, what is your favorite app on your phone? Favorite app on my phone? Twitter. It's got to be Twitter. <laughs> of all social medias, I think Twitter is just the most you crazy outrageous and also it's kind of like my newspaper where i learn what's going on in the world you can't even like write this stuff my next question was about twitter so it's a fantastic segue emily thank you very much so my next question i was going to ask you earlier this month i think it was the 19th of november you tweeted that you had a phone call with bell who people uh people or our viewers who don't know what bell is bell is a mobility company in in canada similar to like at&t in states something like that and you had a phone call with them. You basically held back tears and you had your David versus Goliath moment where you got your phone bill lowered. And I want to yeah. know, and that's what you define as adulting. So what I want to know is what are some of the tips and tricks that you have so we can win our own phone bill wars against our phone companies? Ooh, I think my, my pro tip would be try not to get mad at the person on the phone. Okay. And I always say, I know it's not your fault that I have this problem, but I'm going to need your help to get it resolved. And you're going to have to help me make it right. That is a fantastic phrase. People people get mad at service people all the time. And I really don't like it. Whether, you know, you're at the airport, you're freaking out at the person behind the desk Mm -hmm. or the person who's serving you your meal, the waitress or waiter, it's not their fault, right? Like maybe sometimes it is, but don't shoot the messenger. Maybe it's the the cook's fault or, you know, the actual online, you know, there was a mistake somewhere wires got crossed so i like that i like really really like that phrase i think you know you give people the benefit of the doubt and you just kind of take it from there and see what you can get from it cool um so you've lived in canada of course you've lived in states for an extended period of time now you're in europe so how do you kind of juggle all these like canadian dollar Mm -hmm. us dollar euro math in your head because you did say at least in your team canada profile it said you love math and science so i just wanted to see if there's like a math trick that you employ so you can tell when you're paying the fair price for something when you're converting these currencies. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's hard now that this is my second year being in the Czech Republic. I kind of just do quick math in my head. It's about 16 or 17 Czech dollars to one Canadian dollar. So it's crazy. You know, right. you go to the that store and milk is like $20 and you're like, what? Milk's $20? But really a dollar fifty. So yeah, so I just try to times everything by 15 and then add a little bit more. I'm like, it's about right. <laughs> or, you know, I change the currency on my phone, but. So it's yeah. not like you're just con- constantly using like a currency exchanger or calculator or anything like that. You just do mental math and you hope that you're paying the right price. That's what you're doing. 
Yeah, and you just you know learn um, over time as you go along. Buy the same same brands of food that you know. <laughs> <laughs> Stick to what you know. Stick to your yeah. Stick to what right. you know. Cool. Uh, I know that you wore number 12 in Utah and also I'm going to butcher this. So you should correct this. Is your current team's name KB Bruno? Like, how do you say it? Yeah. So KP, that's like the neighborhood that I'm in. And Bruno is the name of the city. It's spelled super weird. B-R-N-O. Yeah. But it's okay. just like Bruno. Bruno. Okay. All right. So you, do you, do you wear number 12 there too? And, and what's the significance behind number 12? Yes, so I do wear number 12 here as well. I actually wore 10 um, in high school. And Potter and, 10, yeah. Yeah, and Potter 10. So that's all my social media. It's just stayed that way. And when I got to college, that number 10 was taken. Um, and, you know, my mom wore 10, my sister wore 10. So, you know, I like 10. But number 12 was actually the first number I was ever given by Team Canada because we are assigned jerseys and assigned numbers. So the first time I ever made that team, I was like 16 or 17 years old, got number 12. And so when I got to college, I'm like, okay, I'll stick with 12 and I've been rolling with 12. Oh, cool. I, I really, really like that. So basically, um, I guess a quick, quick uh, diversion here. So if you want to follow Emily M. Potter 10 at Twitter, M. Potter 10 and Instagram as well, and any other platform you use. Yeah, everything's just empowered. Every, everything. Okay, so whatever you are, guys, just yeah. like I don't know, I don't game. So Twitter, <laughs> just look for Empowered Ten. Whatever you can do, just follow my homegirl. She's super cool. Her tweets are super interesting. That's all I can vote for. Thanks for the plug. Absolutely. Um, now I'm just gonna go a little bit more off in the deep end here. So, what is something that you believe in that most people don't? Um. Something I believe in that most people don't. I don't, I don't know. I would I'll, I'll buy you some time. I, I believe in something. I'll, I'll give you one of mine and then hopefully you can, you, can, yeah. you can use that up. But basically, I actually genuinely don't think most people should be parents. Like, I think it's a lot of work and some people <laughs> want to put the work in and some people just kind of like whatever, you know, like it'll just happen or it'll happen. It's just, I think 90% of parenting is just showing up and I have never had any kids. So I'm talking out of my you know, rear end for no reason, but I actually genuinely think it's a lot of work. And unless you really want to be a parent, you probably shouldn't be. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's funny, but you know, actually maybe true. I'm going to go a more like wholesome route. I would say like, I'm not going to say Santa Claus because I know Santa Claus is not <laughs> real, but just like the, the spirit of Christmas. I'm super big into Christmas. And I just okay. think that it's like a magical time. If you can get yourself in that mind frame, and I think people don't take advantage enough of holidays. And I know sometimes they can be commercialized, but mm. with Christmas, I just, for me, it's always been a countdown to see my family. And I think, you know, family is super important and right. we have always just great memories around Christmas. So I a hundred percent believe in, you know, Christmas miracles, the spirit of Christmas all the way. Fantastic. All right. So I don't think any podcast episode with Emily Potter uh, would be able to avoid basketball and talking about sports. So I'm just going to go head first into it. So the first question I have is not really specifically about you, but I wanted to pick your brain as, as a professional athlete. So I want to paint a picture for you. So in 2019, during the second round playoff NBA, Golden States was playing Houston Rockets. Game six, Steph Curry goes in first half, scores zero points. Comes back in the second half. He finishes the game with 33 points. Uh, propels his team to win 118 versus 113 over Rockets. If you're coach Steve Kerr, what did you say to him during the halftime? 
to go from zero to 33 points? What could you do to help your superstar? Right. I think obviously they have a close relationship, right? So you need to know what your player needs because Mm -hmm. people react to different encouragements so differently. So it takes time to learn that from a coach um, or player to player. Some people will completely shut down if you, you know, are going to get on them and get mad at them and it fires other people up. Obviously, when you're at that high of a level, you're going to be able to take the message more than the delivery. Um, But, you know, like I've had times in college where I did not do well in the first half. My coach would just say to me in the locker room in front of everyone, be like, we need you. You have to do better. Like we we need you to perform so that we can can win and um, be successful as a team. So I think, you know, you would probably just tell him to trust in what you know you can do. And clearly he did because he scored 33 points just in one half of basketball. So being a shooter like that, you can never be thinking about the past and what happened in the last, last half of basketball or last five seconds. It's all about the next shot. It's always about the next shot. So what, what do you personally do to hit that mental reset? Like when, if, if you're like missing a couple shots, um, then what do you do to yourself? Like what is, what is, what is the memory that you can call on for yourself that helps you hit that reset and just think about the next shot? Yeah, I think sometimes if, you're not, you know, doing well offensively. You can focus more in on the defensive end, try to get blocks, steals that way, get some rebounds, get yourself more comfortable Mm -hmm. in the game. But at the end of the day, it's mostly muscle memory, all of your moves on offense, right? So you get the ball. And if you have a one-on-one situation, it's your job to take advantage of it and score. And if you miss it, it's literally next play, you know, like sometimes people have little like sayings to themselves. Like they'll even say next play or like, you know, whatever, embrace it, whatever you, whatever you need to just focus on the next thing. I love that. You're like, you're basically a holistic. And it sounds, I mean, it sounds sounds pretty simple, but like it is a lot harder in practice, but anytime you're taking away from focusing on the next play, it's only a a detriment. So you just got to like literally have short-term memory. Fantastic. Um, so be a goldfish. Basically, that's your pro tip. Like, just forget about anything that happened before. Yes. Be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. <laughs> that's your tagline. Um, I want to talk about something kind of serious, too. And I, I personally am I'm very fascinated to learn about this, too. So I know every, like, WNBA is always at the epicenter of these debates between, like, you know, men's pro sports and women's pro sports. So what I would like to talk to you about is what are some of the things that you know, the general mass of public get wrong when it comes to professional sports for women? Like, what is something that you would like to highlight? Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing is that people don't care about women's sports and don't want to watch women's sports. But um, you can't watch something that you don't have access to. Right. So, you know, any female professional sport doesn't have a talent problem right? They don't have mm-hmm. a great product. It's not that they don't have a great product. Yeah. It's that no Limited one can exposure, find them. The exposure so, yeah. Yes. And the marketing, like sometimes I'm like, man, just hi- hire me to do your marketing or something. Cause like, <laughs> there you go. it should be more, way more relevant um, that it is for all female sports that are, you know, in professional leagues, especially in North America. Mm-hmm. And look back to historically how the NBA started and how much money they were making the WNBA is on a much faster trajectory than the NBA was but obviously you know comparing the NBA to where it is now to the WNBA 
the NBA has how many decades of experience that on top of the WNBA? Fantastic. That makes so much sense. It's like comparing like a, you know, um, a CEO who's had 60 years of time to get to where they need to go versus an NP level employee. Like how are they supposed to compete with each other? You need to give it the same amount of time and exposure before you can compare apples to apples, right? That's super cool. I, I hope most people that kind of, I, I hope you guys are listening because this is a fantastic analogy. Love it. Um, what, so just kind of going back, cause you said something about, you know, a lot of people may not care about women's sports. So I know coach Brian from black in the Glen lawn days, and you, you mentioned that he was a huge yeah. advocate for women's sports. What if, what does it mean to have someone like that in your corner who just truly believes in you and, and generally just wants the, wants the best for you at all given time? Yeah, I think, you know, that's one of my favorite things about sports is the people you come in contact to and people that can have like a really big impact on your life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes it's a parent that's coaching you, but other just other people that you can look up to and have role models and people that just they're investing their time and their energy into you solely just to make you better and because they love what they do. So I think that's just such a selfless thing to do to coach and so many coaches do it volunteering out of their own free time and love mm -hmm. for the game and for just loving to be around it so I'm very thankful for you know coach Brian Kornberger and I've just had so many you know amazing coaches um, along the way cool so like basically a lot of all of any of our success and it always comes down to people who believe in us and dedicate their time energy and effort to hopefully make us a better person not just about sports but just in general is that a fair statement yeah, hundred percent. I think sometimes people like to say like, you know, I'm the only person that's got me. Like I, I'm self-made. I did this. And, you know, maybe they truly are self-made, but there have been so many people that have like put time and energy into me to make, you know, Emily who she is. I could have never done it alone. Obviously, you know, I need my parents to feed and raise me as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but all the other, just hundreds of people, you know, when you think about it, at the end of the day, how many teammates I've had that have, you know, helped me out along the way, passed me the ball so I could score right. and just different coaches and everyone's adding little pieces to you. And it's all a part of your experience. So it's totally, you know, it takes a village that cliche saying it's totally true. Yeah, but it makes sense. Um, so what, what is it like to have like a, like an agent that represents you? Because it's, it's most of our life, we're always representing ourselves, like including you, like, you know, you, you have direct access to Twitter, you can talk to people, but what is it like to kind of like let go and trust someone else to represent your best interest on behalf of you? And what's your selection process for, for, for picking an agent? Like, what are you looking for? Yeah. So I started that process right after I finished um, my senior year of college. So you're not supposed to talk to agents before you're finished your eligibility. So I had some of them, you know, like sending me messages and I would just say, you know, at the end of the season, this is when I'm going to be, you know, contacting people right. and, and dealing with that process. So it's kind of like you're interviewing them, you know, or they're, it's, it's kind of, it's honestly a cool feeling, you know, they're all trying to get what you your effect. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And it's cool. Cause it's like my agent, she works for me at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So if she's not doing her job, then she's not going to get paid. So it's incentive for her to, you know, find me the best contracts that she can. So I'm going to get more money. She's going to get more money and everyone's going to be happy. Um, at first I kind of thought of it as, you know, like picking a college and it was kind of stressing me out. I didn't want to make the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, 
I mean, if you don't like your agent, you can fire them and get a new one. I know lots of people who, you know, have had great experience with agents, but then have also had like three or four or five different agents just because it wasn't quite what they wanted. So it's, it's totally up to you. Right. Okay. No, love that advice. Um, what is, what are some of your more, I guess, noteworthy failures that you, you take with you and learn from? Noteworthy failures. Yeah. My first one would be uh, my first year getting cut from the national team. It was my first trial. It was like a U16 team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just finished 10th grade and ended up being the last one of the last two cuts from the team. And I was a mess after that, but it really fueled my fire for the next year to come back and make the team. So I'm thankful for, um, you know, being told that I wasn't ready and because it made me just kind of woke me up a little bit. And then after that, you know, being able to be invited to training camp with CL Storm was an amazing opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously didn't end up making that team, but just being around, you know, that high level of play is a great target for me to have, to see like, you know, these are the top professionals. I might be a professional myself, but there's always still like room to improve if you want to be in arguably what is the best league in the world. Right. Cool. No, that's, um, that makes sense. So you're basically always looking forward to what, what you can improve on and you don't take criticism kind of personally. It's just basically you look at it as it, it's the best for your personal growth over time to, to take that in and, and just learn from it. Excellent. Um, so based right now, what I kind of want to mention is I do know from the other podcast that you always wanted to represent Team Canada in the Olympics. That was one of your big overarching goals and, and you know, maybe your vision even. So how do you balance that against some of your more like passion projects and personal goals of maybe like finishing your master's or, or being spending more time with your family or whatever it might be? How do you balance the two? Yeah, I think, um, you know, COVID made me lose my job but it did give me more family time. So I think for a lot of really high level athletes, it was a really crazy time because we were like, what do we do with ourselves? Um, But I did enjoy the family time though. I'm very happy to be back having a job and playing basketball, but usually, you know, my off season is when I can take more advantage of those passion projects, whether it be fundraising or, basketball camps things like that because i am at home i'm in north america somewhere in north america Mm -hmm. and it's going to be easier for me to logistically just do things as far as school goes i'm doing it right now just like you know normal semester schedule um while i'm overseas because outside of practice there's not a lot of other things throughout the day that are taking my time even if we're practicing let's say between three and four hours a day um what, what about the other, you know, yeah. eight hours a day that I'm still awake? There's a lot of downtime. And I found that last year for sure that I had a lot of downtime. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to take advantage of that and be able to do my schooling while I'm still playing so that whenever I do retire, I'm just going to be more set up for my future. I guess, yeah, more more flexible, versatile, and, and more well-rounded. Okay, yeah, makes sense. Um, so I know you're a huge mental health advocate. And then if I go and I just want to get this right. So on your Instagram bio, I think the quote was, mental health is just as important as physical health. Um, if you could just elaborate on that and, and like, what does it mean for you? And, and just elaborate on that for our listeners, please. Yeah, I think being an athlete, you know, I've had my fair share of injuries as well. And I've always been super important, like super open about 
when I have gotten injured, how that injury process and recovery has gone, but with mental health, we're just, sometimes, you know, we feel that stigma and we don't want to speak up about it. Mm-hmm. And I felt that stigma myself going through mental health. And I know other people who have as well. So why is it that, you know, we'll tell people like, oh, you know, I'm not feeling well. I went to the doctors because I think I have, you know, the flu, you know, right. I think I have a cold or like, you know, I think I need some antibiotics for this, but we can't say that I'm not feeling well mentally. And I've been really off for a while. And, you know, I think I need to talk to somebody. So I think it should be just as open as, you know, talking about your physical health. So that's how I kind of see that quote that they should be on even playing fields. And until we get to that point, like there's still work to be done. I, I love that. So yeah, it's not really no different from a, from a personal end than having any kind of health problems or whatever it might be. If you're not feeling well, because you know, your arm is numb, it's no different than when you're not feeling well, because you're just, you're just having, you know, one of those moments and you just want to get help and seek help and, why is that stigmatized? Honestly, it doesn't make sense from an objective level, right? Um, cool. So I know uh, as an adult, we sometimes miss the opportunity to learn people, learn from people that are younger than us, specifically because you mentioned your niece, Annabelle, in the other podcast episode. And you said, you know, you learned a lot from her. So what are some of the things that you would like to share with us that you learned from your niece, Annabelle? Yeah, I think we can all just take time to just like do things that we think are fun even if they might be like kid activities like just don't take yourself so seriously and there's no age limit on you know certain activities or having fun like if I want to build a fort I can still build a fort (laughs) so she definitely has given me I don't know if it's an excuse to do all those activities but whether it be arts and crafts or you know different sports or activities like we're always having fun that way and I think it's just a way to relieve stress and yeah not take life so seriously I don't know how you're doing this but you keep teeing me off for my next question so perfectly Emily I'm not even like I, I promise we didn't we didn't rehearse okay. this but basically <laughs> my next question was about arts and crap in your book color me calm and and how do you get like starting such a really cool, great initiative. So we're going to get our own copies. I've never tried something like an adult coloring book, but I, I'm, I'm excited really? to try uh, and, and find out what, what it does for me. But just, you know, talk us through like how you get to that great initiative. Why, why that outlet? Why not, you know, making music or whatever it might be. So, yeah. So I started um, using color coloring books more often, I guess, last year when I was overseas, right? I wasn't in school yet. I had a lot of downtime. And sometimes for me, I find my mind just, you know, kind of, kind of runs a little crazy and it's hard for me to turn it off. Mm-hmm. So I wanted something that I could focus on and kind of just like clear my mind. So when I'm focusing on coloring and just trying to stay inside those lines, um, it just, you know, is a stress reliever for me. And it was something that I could pick up and do anywhere I was, you know, I could do it on the airplane. I could do it in my room. I could do it on the road. I could really do it anywhere. It was really simple to do. And I spent the first half of the season filling up like a bunch of different coloring books. And then my mom actually gave me the idea. We're like, why don't you make your own? You know, you're using all these coloring books so you could design your own. So then I spent Mm -hmm. the second half of my season last year, you know, making all these designs, whether it be from I don't know, different patterns I saw um, everywhere I went, different, really whatever came to my mind. 
and I thought, you know, people could benefit from it like I did. So I got them printed, um, you know, from a company back home in Winnipeg and started selling them and to raise money for mental health. And we, you know, we sold a lot of them and it gave us the ability to award a couple of scholarships to um, some very deserving people for so mental health. Cool. I love it. Um, I, I like that. Like you so you basically have like a singular focus that helps the rest of the world kind of blur away. You're focusing on one thing at a time. I think the inadvertent benefits that I see from it, you're kind of plugging off from your cell phone and technology because I feel like we live in the day and age of always, you know, being constantly connected to each other, but still being the furthest away as a, as a person. Like we don't, we're not comfortable talking to people anymore. That's what I see, feel like anyways. Um, but to, to kind of transition to that, like you've been away and now you're in Europe. Um, how do you stay connected to your family? Because it sounds like family is a very important part of your life. You, you clearly want to stay connected to them as much as possible, especially going into the Christmas time, which you also love. Those are the two things that you want to overlap. How do, what are your tools? What are your tips and tricks to stay connected? Yeah, that's definitely hard because I am very thankful for social media and my phone to keep me so connected to people back home. Mm -hmm. That can also be a bit of a double-edged sword when you feel like you're still missing out on everything when you're, you know, staring at everyone's posts and pictures, videos, whatever it be. Yeah. But I try to, you know, schedule calls with people in my life, um, keep my phone on. So if people want to call me, uh, I'll answer it. You know, sometimes I get calls in the middle of the night and that does happen when people get the time change wrong. But I think those connections are super important and to just keep checking in on people, no matter, you know, what time it is. I'm like, you know, I'm going to send this message and they'll read it when they wake up or, you know, vice versa. Yeah. So you just have to, you know, sometimes even just make it a regular part of your schedule, like you would basketball practice or anything else like that both of those are cool like you keep yourself kind of flexible open and open to you know talk to people and also you you keep those events scheduled in the sense that you would defend it no different than any of your other appointments because it's important you want to talk to the people that you love and and you know stay connected um so one of the last questions i have is it i think i also picked this up from the podcast too that you had a mental coach i believe when you were in grade 10 and and thinking seriously about going pro I don't know much about that world. Like what does a mental coach do for you? And what are some of the things that you've learned and, and how does that help you transition into a pro game? Yeah, she was great for me. And that was, you know, kind of my first taste of the mental side of the game. And I've done so many sports, sports psych sessions and so many like performance things, because when you get to a high level, you really need to find that extra one or 2% that's going to separate you from the next person. And mm-hmm. if it's not going to come from the physical side, Sometimes it's going to come from that mental side. So when I first started, I was being really down on myself and putting a lot of pressure on myself to be, you know, a certain way on the court to perform a certain way. And if I didn't reach that, it was like automatic failure. So I really went, really went back to the beginning and thought about all the reasons, like, why do I even love playing basketball? You know, like it's Mm. causing me this much stress and anxiety. First of all, why do you love the game? Right. And then just, I think that that switch in my mind of just loving what I do and enjoying it first um, has been like the biggest change for me. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm healthy. I get paid to do what I am doing right now. So I just try to keep that balance of perspective. Even if I do have a bad game at the end of the day, I'm, I'm playing a game. I love basketball and I think sports are super important, but it's just a game. 
So keeping that perspective sometimes <clears throat> keeps my head a little bit more level, but there's obviously still times where I'm super mad or frustrated or upset about how games have gone or my personal performance. Um, but yeah, I just kind of try to reel it back and keep things in perspective. No, awesome. I know you're super, uh, like ultra competitive too because you, you were preparing for a potato sack race <laughs> back in your, uh, I guess, younger days. So, you know, it's, it's in your gene. Like that's who you are. It's, it's, but it's, it's interesting that you're kind of seeing the other perspective and like kind of learning, learning that it's still just a game. Like, you know, there's more to life and, and just taking it one step at a time. Um, okay, look, I, I think you survived the barrage of questions that I've put forth in front of you. It was awesome to have you around. It was great. What I do want to do is kind of kind of give you the opportunity to, to tell all of our five listeners what you got going on in your life. Um, yeah, so what, what, where can we find Emily Potter? How can we support Emily Potter? Tell us everything that we can do uh, to, to help your brand. Amazing. Thank you for the platform. Uh, yeah, you can definitely follow me on social media at mpotter10. I'll usually link everything that's going on in my life, you know, at least back to usually Twitter or Instagram. I do have a website, um, potteremily.com. But if you want to purchase a coloring book, you can find that link through my Twitter or my Instagram or my website. And it'll take you there to, you know, buy my coloring book and you can experience the calmness of coloring yourself. Um, I would very much like to. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yes. All right, cool. Uh, so thank you, Emily. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being generous with your time. It was awesome to chat with you. I learned a lot. I hope anyone who's listening also picks up on a lot of things that, that you mentioned during, during our episode. So um, we, we always want to finish up on a good note. It was, it was good to have Emily. It would be nice to have her kind of back in, in Canada. And what we're talking about this right before the podcast, it would be super cool if we could start a WNBA team kind of, kind of North of the border. And that'll be like the, we, the North version for the girls and we can build a team around you. So Emily, Again, thanks for coming in. And uh, for our listeners, remember to stay hungry and stay work hard. Stay humble. You got it. <laughs> stay humble. No, I messed it up. <laughs> it's okay. Like, we're going to have to shoot a follow-up episode.